Hey everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for episode 7, season 5 of the La- I'm a Lighter Side of Baseball. We are going to be joined soon by Mike Diaz. Uh, Mike was already uh, uh, going to be on the show last week. He had a little uh, influenza that crept up, but be that as it may, he is back and he will be joining the show any minute. Uh, the first week of baseball, we went to Wrigley Field. Uh, we've got all sorts of things to say about the pathetic uh, team that Mr. Ricketts owns, and it is pathetic. Worst roster ever, I think. Although, you know, we need uh, some of those guys to heat up, and then all of a sudden, I have a different opinion. My opinion fluctuates based on the batting average. Right now, the Cubs are, you know, 21st in the uh, in, in the uh, major leagues and hitting and pitching is uh, spotty. But, um, hey, you know, as my friends say, it's a long season, and so who the hell knows what's going to happen with respect to uh, Major League Baseball. The pitch clock worked pretty good, uh, even though there was a long game on Sunday that I went to at Wrigley Field. Uh, you know, it's under three hours. Much better than before. And uh, most of the Cubs paid uh, attention to the pitch clock. Lighter Jr. didn't really. He kind of took forever. And uh, it seemed like he was even going slower, but they never called a, a, a violation. In fact, I think they're going to be umpires that are more prone to call violations than others. I think a problem is going to be when they call it in the middle of a pitcher's delivery. I think that's going to be a potential for injuries. Um, there are all sorts of nuances now. Everybody's coming up. If you listen to uh, MLB Network, they're coming up with everything under the sun about new ways to um, have violations. If you listen to your local TV and radio, everybody's coming up with new things. I seem to think instead of initially walking a guy, if you want to rest, you just get four pitch violations, and boom, the guy goes off to the second base. Who cares? Um, I think the um, the no-shift deal is good. I really like that. It works out pretty well, and um, I think that the uh, kids are going through the holes, and it's regular baseball. And you're not having that ground ball to right field over the first base out. You're not having that three guys on the right side of second base for a left-handed hitter with the third baseman over where the shortstop is. You don't have that anymore. Uh, what you do have is a problem at Wrigley. The, everything's bad at Wrigley, except they did – um, decorate the exterior of the uh, new gambling f- casino, the new sports book, FanDuel. Nicely, you know, green matches Wrigley Field, so at least it blends in, looks nice. You don't have to have a ticket. You can go up there, get the feel of the, of the uh, day, sit outside, watch some TVs, lose a couple hundred bucks, and then go on home. Uh, you know, instead of paying to see some, uh, crummy baseball, you can go in there and bet on crummy baseball or bet on anything, I guess. I guess at the sports book, you can maybe bet on football in August, preseason games, or bet on the Masters um, if it was open, but I don't know when they're going to open. And I don't know if you can get into the sports book if you are at the game. Um, you can get into Gallagher Way if you're at the game. But I don't know about the sports book. I guess we'll have to wait and see. So, that was the deal from the first. You know, there the ball seems to be juiced. It's going around. Ball's flying out of there at a record pace. And um, the games are better. They're faster, half an hour quicker. And uh, 
you know, I've been preaching that. I went back and looked at uh, podcast year number two, and I've been preaching for a pitch clock forever. Now, leave the robo-umps in the minor leagues. We don't need robo-umps. We just need uh, the pitch clock. Now we have it. Now they're talking about, oh, should we extend it and make it 20 to 25 seconds for the playoffs? Should we eliminate it in the playoffs? Give me a break. Just do it the way they're doing it now for the rest of mankind, and it'll be fine. Oh, my God. Now, the beer sales at Wrigley Field are a joke. We had a beer vendor on Sunday that for he struck out. He was 0 for 3. He went down swinging three times trying to get his machine to work. They have to lose a million dollars a homestand on beer sales. And, you know, I guess that's okay. I don't really have a problem with it. I'm just saying that Major League Baseball is sort of in a goofy way with the uh, pitch clock like that. So, Oh, we've got a caller calling in from Kansas City, Missouri. They want to know if the Royals are going to ever score a run. And I've got to tell you, Mr. Kansas City caller, the Royals, after three games, finally scored a run on Sunday. And then yesterday, they actually won a game. Yeah. Hey, hey, holy mackerel, the Royals won. Of course, they don't have that song. That's a Cubs song. And I don't think they're going to play it a lot in Wrigley Field. I don't think that baby's going to get worn out. That's just my guess. I predict the Cubs will win between 60 and 70 games. Now, you'll recall one week ago at the podcast uh, uh, unveiling of Craig Kashan's and my uh, predictions for the year, I picked the Cubs to win the division. So you go, hey, dude, they've played one, two, three, four games. They won one of those games. They should have won the second game against Milwaukee. And I don't know what happened in Cincinnati. How, how do you lose to the Reds? Well, anyway, they did. And uh, I did pick them to win. I don't think they can win with 70 victories. I don't think that'll win the Central Division. The Cardinals are just on fire. And I'm still incredibly annoyed uh, with the Cubs getting rid of everybody they got rid of. And they don't have anybody to show for it. You know, at least the... Uh, the Nationals have good players. The Orioles have good players. We got Jose Quintana for Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez, the second-best pitcher in baseball and one of the best hitters in baseball. We gave up Gleyber Torres for Araldus Chapman. Yeah, you won the World Series. How can you be talking out of both sides of your mouth? We just gave away uh, Wilson Contreras. We gave away Schwarber, who happened to be the leading home run hitter in the National League. We gave away Bryant. We gave away Rizzo. We gave away Baez. We gave away Darvish. You know, we get we get guys that are okay minor leaguers, but they're like nobody in the top 50 of the MLB prospects. I mean, so put up or shut up. Ricketts is a joke. I, I got to tell you, it's just a, it's a shame. Had a great field, and, uh, you know, they got a bunch of fans that probably know a little bit about baseball. And and uh, right now, there's probably not a lot of tourists at the ballpark. They announced 33,000. On Sunday, it's a beautiful April day. I'd say there was 25,000 people in the ballpark. So, yes, it's early, and yes, it's... um. You know, good, but let me just put you on hold and we'll get Mike Diaz here in a minute. 
Thanks for taking a break with the Lighter Side of Baseball on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple iTunes. We are in the process of trying to figure out the time in Hawaii. <laughs> I got to plead guilty. Uh, Mike Diaz and I had our signals crossed. Actually, Mike didn't have a signal crossed. I had my signal crossed. So let's get Mike on the air and uh, we'll have a good time with him and uh, we will be right back with the lighter side of baseball. Hey, everybody. We're back on the lighter side of baseball. And as promised, we've got Mike Diaz hanging in there with us. And uh, Mike, how are you doing in Hawaii, buddy? Oh, well, I went through a, a bad week last week with the flu. That's what I gathered from talking to you. I got to apologize. I was probably sending you texts while you were you were asleep, dude. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. okay, Mike's going to join the show at at uh, eight o'clock his time, and I'm going. So at, at eleven minus five, I just figured I got my signals crossed, dude. I hope I didn't wake you up. All good. I got a dog. Oh my God, that's uh... so this, this dog wakes me up at six a.m. every morning like clockwork. In fact, uh, it's I'm funny that at eleven age... o'clock, man, and I'm going. God, he blew me off, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> my wife goes, "Hey, man, you got a you got a text from Mike," and I go, "Man, it's a good thing I'm good thing I'm retired, man." <laughs> so where are you at right now? I am in. Uh, Oak Brook, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. Went to the Cubs game on Sunday. Played golf yesterday. It was pretty nice. Today awesome. sucks. Now, it ain't, it ain't I, 80 degrees. You're going to laugh. Uh, in 1989, before I went to Japan, um, I had just played the year before. I think it was the last part of the season, 88, for the White Sox. And when I came back, I went to Chicago doing the caravan, what have you, and the Japanese team called me up and said, we want you to come to Japan. I go, wow, I just put a da- deposit, like $50,000 on a house in Oak Brook. Oh, you're kidding me. No, that was a favorite place of mine. So I was in Naperville, and I was in Oak Brook, and obviously lived at some of the condos when at Wrigley, but then Oak Brook was about as nice as it gets. <laughs> yeah, and we live, you know, we live in a, I grew up in Hinsdale, so it's not too far from here. And we Good. have a nice little community of people that make me feel young, even though I'm not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, these guys get up for a little golf. And uh, my buddy, when he broadcast for the Cubbies back in 88, 89, lived in the New York condominium, which was, you know, you could see it from the WGN broadcast. And, uh, you know, he'd just walk over to Wrigley. He was doing radio. Uh, that'd be Dave Nelson, good friend of the show. And, and he'd wear blue jeans. It was a, what a gig. I mean, it's too bad it'll, it only lasted for him two years. But so you're going to, yeah. you're going to, uh, play for the White Sox, man. That, that would Yeah. The White Sox was a great, great opportunity when I got to play there because the guy who ended up adopting me was Pudge. So here we go. I yeah. show up from the Pirates and, I got traded straight up for Gary Reedus. So here they're starting now. They're, they're starting center fielders getting traded for, you know, a part-time first baseman who faced, you know, nothing but left-handers. That being said, 
I think it was uh, Walker. Yeah, he was the starting yeah, first Walker. baseman. Yeah, Greg got hurt. So when Greg got hurt, they immediately needed a first baseman. So apparently they didn't have anybody in the organization. Or I knew Gary played there, but anyway, they traded for me straight up. I still had a real weak thumb. I busted my thumb and I still had pins in it. Didn't do any rehab. I just joined the team, which was ignorant. Uh, more ignorance than stupidity because I just wanted to stay at the big league level. Sure. And at that time, I was one of the favorites of uh, Leland and Tommy Sant. Rest in peace. He just passed last year. And was he your uh, agent back then? Pardon me? Was he your agent? Tommy? No, no. Tommy Sant was a player. And uh, he was really? my triple-A coach in, in Hawaii. Oh. And uh, that's how I kind of got introduced to this group uh, playing with the Pirates. And Tommy was a well, well-liked man. In done. fact, during the pandemic, all of us from uh, the AAA team, God, if I named that roster, you'd crack up. We had uh, Sid Mungie. We had Mike uh, By- Mike, Mike Bilecki. We had Bob Walk. We had Big Daddy Ruschel. We had Sammy Khalifa. We had uh, Benny DiStefano. Um, we had Trent Davis. Um, this John the Henry. White Sox or the Pirates? This is the Pirates. Pirates, yeah. So this is how I got to meet Tommy Sant. The reason I bring it up is it was really crazy during the pandemic when everybody was stuck at home. And here on Maui, basically, it was a ghost town. You can go outside and literally there wouldn't be two cars on the road. It was shut down. And it was almost to the point where we had uh, martial law kind of implemented here because people would stop you on the road on these checkpoints and are you going to get gas? Are you going to get food? I'm like, bro, <laughs> I work with kids. Get, yeah. Oh, you're okay, Coach Mike. <laughs> so, yeah. in it, fact, it, I had an out. That seems like so far away, and yet it's such a big part of our indelible brain power of going back because oh. it's so unique. It changed life, as we know it, specifically in baseball. So, long story short, we got on a phone call, a lot of us. We didn't get on Zoom or anything, but we got on this phone app that everybody could play and talk and stay there two bits. And we ended up having like about 30 guys. And uh, the sad thing about it was one of the guys that was most active was our coach, Tommy. And Tommy was probably only about, I don't know, maybe eight, five years older. I'll be 63 next week. Yeah. So he he was in his late 60s. And he said, hey, Rambo, I want to do nothing but fish. I want to play golf. And I wanted F. Obviously, you got to say the rest. <laughs> so yeah, I, said, what are, I said, what about eating and have a couple of beers, Skip? We could do that, you know, our, when, we're not, when we're not doing the other stuff. But just a wonderful man. And his son oh, ended yes. up playing a little pro ball. And shoot, a month later, he passed. Wow. And you just don't know whether we're going to be here. Right. Or we're going to be here and make a significant difference. And that brings me up to the things between the time you and I talked a while ago was I was coaching these kids out in Arizona and between the field and the dugout, which is kind of in a barrack, you know, about six feet below the field, I was giving signs leaning on the fence and the fence gave way. Oh my God. So I fall on the fence. I fall in the dugout, fall on my head, whiplash, concussion, break my thumb, uh, broke my knee, broke my hip. And it was just, and I'm just like, why am I still alive? Even more ironic is why didn't I land on any of the kids? And the kids were only 14 years old. And I don't know. It ain't my time. So I've dodged a couple bullets. And just this, a year that before was, that. 
That was in Arizona? That was in Arizona. Wow. At this uh, Field of Dreams. They, they have a little park there, but I've been doing a lot, just nothing, working with the kids. Uh had the opportunity to go ahead and spend some time with uh, an agent by the name of uh, McGuire, Mike McGuire. And uh, he does a lot of the, uh, uh, I guess you could say, autograph sessions for guys like Pete Rose and Joe sure. Carter. So when he brought up Joe Carter's name, I'm saying, you got to be kidding me. Joe yeah. Carter's one of my very best friends. We were roommates. I mean, he's just uh, one of the best guys. He goes, oh, I represent Joe all the time. He goes, a little bit different than dealing with Joe Carter and dealing with Pete Rose. I go, what's the difference? He goes, well, Pete's doing a significant amount of money. And Joe's very humble and plays golf and does this nuts. I said, put Joe on the phone right now. So Joe knows me as a nickname. Well, I'll tell your fan base that they don't know. So when Joe signed out of Wichita State as a number one pick, that was the same year that Tony Gwynn came in and all the greats came in that year of 1982. Yeah. And he came right into double uh, A. He went to uh, Midland, Texas. And almost as a joke, it was crazy because here's this big heathen catcher. Long hair, beard, that would be me. <laughs> and then they sent me this real prima and proper, you know, African-American guy. And he's my roommate. Yeah. I'm like, oh, God, you got to be kidding me. You know, I'm in the bars. And I, I had this image of Rambo. So long story short, we hit it off. Things went real well. And we became best of friends and families. And I had the opportunity of talking to him this year. And he's the same old Joe. Yeah. Not the old thing. So uh, that well, came about. And we we hooked up, and that was one of the great things that happened. We got to get him on the show with you. That'd be fun. (laughs) We wouldn't shut up with the times that we've had. (laughs) That's all right. You know, another guy that I was going to, that's been on the show quite a bit, and I was going to see if I couldn't technologically have him on the show today, but I didn't. I didn't do that. Is the guy you got traded for from Philadelphia to the Cubs, Bobby Denier? No way. Would have been fun because you guys could have chatted and looked at each other and. As I understand, well, he, should, he should give me a check because him and Sarge got traded for me and Campbell. They went to the playoffs and I went back to AAA. <laughs> well, and then he won. He's the only guy to win a gold glove in center field for the Cubbies. And there you he's go. a good guy, man. I mean, he's a, he plays golf in Kansas City. And uh, so, so does Joe Carter. I guess everybody plays golf in Kansas City. But, They're avid golfers, but I tell you what. There's not a course out here on Maui that wouldn't rival any course in the world. Oh man, I'm, sh- I'm well. You know, you can start at Kanapali, I know, and I've played. Yeah. I have not played the um, uh, plantation course or the one that they play the tournament on. But that's the one you want to play. So when you get out here, we'll go play there. All right, man. Next, uh, telling my wife it's our 25 year anniversary. I told Mike Seguin, one of the parents of your one of your students, I said, I think I'll. Head to Maui in January for a little, you there know, you anniversary celebration. But uh, there you go. Well, the course is there's one. I don't know if you ever heard of the Yaya Nanai. It's the neighbor island. So no. we have two neighbor islands. Oh, on Lanai, I played it. I, I played the, the the where the um, is it the Four Seasons or the, exactly right? Yeah, man. So they were doing renovations to the Four Seasons. We took yep. a little boat over from Lahaina or wherever it goes from. Yep, little ferry, yep. Saw a couple of whales, got off, and there there were for the entire day they had eight groups out there. Yep. So I'm That's over there true. on the and they had a deal, you know, you play golf, have breakfast and lunch for a hundred bucks. I mean it was like wow. unbelievable. And well, now to play that course is 
it's tough to get on. Yeah. So we're yeah. sitting on the tee and I'm hitting balls and a guy comes over and starts like I hit a ball and he grabbed my club and clean it, give it back to me, put a ball, <laughs> the, put a ball on the tee. I'm going, man, this is like great. Yeah. There's one course that's probably rivals that one. It's called McKenna. So if you go out McKenna, it's out by Wailea, which is on our south side. Okay. So we we're very, very geographically kind of separated here, just like Chicago, to be honest with you. Chicago, so, you cross over a bridge, and you're in another you, world. How do you rate Maui compared to Kauai? Ain't even close. <laughs> I've been in all the islands. So I've been coming here since 1984. In fact, we bought our first place in 84 because wow. I came and I played for the Hawaii Islanders. So, Smart And man. I'm not trying to knock other islands, but Oahu, you might as well go to L.A. Right, yeah. Oahu's just hustle bustle to go five miles it'll take you an hour there's too many people there there's probably i don't know this but i would guess a million plus oh yeah it's like san jose compared to a little town in the bay area i went we drove over to wakanioe bay which is just outside of honolulu not that far and in the uh marine corps as a base over there so i want to go over and look at it and and see it and I was shocked that there's nowhere to eat. You know, I was looking for a little dive, you know, like um, on either Kauai, uh, Uno, Ano Burger, Uno Burger on Kauai, man. It's a little red dump with great burgers and, and yeah. um, you know, the foods. Yeah, I, I love Hawaii. You're a lucky man, lucky man. And yeah. You, uh, a little league coach. Did you coach any of the little leaguers that won the friggin' Little League World Series this last year, eight of them. Oh my, really? Yeah, they're they're most of them are mine. So we have the only indoor facility. I mean, when you go online, it's it's called Hitters, Hitters Paradise Indoor Training Facility. Right. So for twelve years, had an outdoor facility which was basically entertainment, recreation, put a token in, get fifteen balls, and seemed to work. You know, because of the the tourists. And they affectionately call people that aren't locals here Hollies. So, you know, I'm a Holly also, but been here 43 years now. That all being said, the pandemic shut it down because of the passing of the coins and the people touching rental bats and helmets. So the county came and approached me and said, you can't have anybody here more than five people. And you have to do this, the CDC rules and what have you. And I said, I I can't do that. I, I see 200 to 400 people a day. And they said, well, you're shut down. So here I am with, uh, it was what, 15,000 square foot facility. It was large. It was outside. We had about seven bays, all the iron bikes. It was, you know, a regular recreational place. I had one cage to go and give a deal. So anyway, long story short, they shut me down. So I started an indoor facility. So the indoor facility, they said, you can do whatever you want because you can be private. So one of the higher ups in politics is a judge called Judge Besens, who ended up becoming our mayor. So he had talked to me and said, he says, Coach Mike, here's how you get around that. Just, it's like having lessons in your garage. Yeah. And I said, okay. So I went to all my clientele and I asked, I said, what do you think about doing an indoor facility? It's never been done. So you'd go to anywhere outside here. It's about four bucks a foot. And I said, well, that's 44 grand. That ain't going to happen. So I went to him and, uh, an organization by the Weinberg Foundation, who's the largest landowner in all of Hawaii, said, yeah, 
It's a nonprofit. We'll take care of the kids and we'll give you half off. Sweet. So they made it affordable. And uh, now shoot, we have eight, we have eight lanes. We have a chiropractor. We have a therapy center. We have a vision room with Dr. Bill Harrison who passed. So and his legacy uh, for slow the game down, we teach kids how to see the ball, but literally explain to them how to see the ball, if that makes sense. In regards have, to people. Uh, you still have your partner that uh, I think last time we talked, she was joining forces with you. and Yep. And that's uh, Shannon Sheldon. She's been a local lady here, young lady, about 42, 43 years old. And she's the one who started it. It's tough, as you know. You're a baseball man for life. And anytime you get talking baseball, it's a huge difference, Jamie, in regards to talking at somebody sure. or talking with someone. Right. So anybody who comes here that really remembers <clears throat> people like me, it's like, wow, you gravitate. You know, it's funny. I said, let's go have a beer. Let's go talk stories. So the first word is, how's it? So that's, you know, the pigeon that we talk. And then yeah. it's, hey, let's go talk some story. Before you know it, four hours later and a 12-pack later, <laughs> we're best of friends. You know, <clears throat> I'm I'm obviously pro baseball, but there isn't another sport, I don't think, where guys like yourself who have played the game albeit in the minor leagues or the major leagues or even high-level amateur baseball, you can remember almost every at-bat, almost every. So when you tell a story, it's like based on real facts that are churning through your brain. I can't imagine even a Jerry Rice coming up with very many stories because, oh, I went to the 40-yard line and I cut toward the uh, right (laughs) hash mark and I caught a bullet from Joe Montana. Now, right. okay, but you can remember, you know, my buddy who faced Nolan Ryan hundred times. He says, "I got hit like sixteen times." I can tell you each one of those deals. It's True. unique to baseball. It is, and, and nobody fun. has that feeling other than people like ourselves and any of your fans or your fan base that listen to this. They're listening to it for one reason: you love the stories that really happen. Absolutely. Uh, my brother, I got a brother who's going to turn seventy this year. And he tells me, you're missing your calling. So what's that? He says, you should be doing a podcast. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what a podcast is. And yeah. the first freaking thing that came to my head was, Jamie, that's right. what I was on. But, well, I, I'm just, I'm technologically challenged. <laughs> so, well, it's ironic, but if so am I virtually as, as is evidenced by, I thought we were going to do this at 11 our time instead of, time. <laughs> but my, the, the gentleman who's great and uh, he was in Kansas City and then he friggin moved to Hawaii to drive a FedEx truck but he 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 produces the show and uh, he's great so I've he taught me how to take the show and send it to him and he edits it puts in a little music and it's nice. great but um yeah. you know I don't market it I don't know anything about Instagram or about I just do it and, and then word of mouth spreads and and people that enjoy listening to uh me and and my friends that i get on the air it's um it's just fun i mostly like you know you enjoy what you do times a billion you know you're you're teaching the type of kidding instruction that you you have determined as appropriate and as easily conveyed to these kids and and uh, i like to talk baseball and, you know, entertain myself in my retirement. 
But uh, well, I wanted to bring up one thing with you, not to interject or interrupt. Oh, please do. There's one thing that's been completely bothering me for the last God two years. I don't know if I brought it up in the last show. So I want to go ahead and ask you, as a person who not only who's played the game but who's enjoyed the game and seen it over the last forty, fifty years. I got to see Johnny Bench on Major League Baseball Network probably about, I don't know, two months ago, and they were picking the best catchers of all time. And uh, today they said, we're going to take the best 10. So long story short, everybody, the the common guy was this guy, Rio, Rio Muto or whatever. Right. Rio, yeah. Rio Muto. So, guy with Philadelphia. So long now. story short, he's on YouTube and everything. And Johnny says, if I would have caught like that, the umpires back in our day, you know, Eric Gregg and the Pope and all these guys, you know, we, we had names for all the umpires, but yeah. back in the day, I used to eat dinner with these guys going to San Diego. They're out of place. Hey, come on over. Hey, Rambo, come on over here. You had a report. You do that now, then they'll throw you under and bury you. Ron that Luciano. And they're great umpires back then. There you, you go. Know? Exactly. How about the one Dutch runner, you know? Hey! <laughs> Absolutely. But you're talking about legends that, you know, you had a, you had a relationship with don't exist anymore. You're that right. all being said, they've changed two major things that's really disrupted me, and I don't know how your fan base is going to feel about that. They always say, oh, Coach Mike, you're old school. You're too old. You, you don't get it. New school is this. So in hitting, which I'm a very, very much a student of hitting, I would love to listen and sit down at any time I could to guys could hit, a la Tony, Joe, um, yeah. cool. God, the splendid splinter, you know, anybody was around, Johnny Bench, and I'd creep up there as a young, you know, major leaguer and just listen because sure. you'd learn so much. So long story short, Johnny would always talk about how he caught the ball, which was relax, get, receive. Nowadays, they're taking their glove and they're going all the way to the ground, right? coming up and pushing the ball back over here. Yeah. So I talked to a couple umpires. Says, Last time I checked, that's showing you up <laughs> because you call strikes and balls based on where the ball crosses, not where a guy catches it so therefore how do you have announcers these commentators color or play-by-play saying oh that guy's going to go ahead and make sure that he's stealing strikes so you're telling me as an umpire (laughs) where you catch it and go like this yeah from the outside that you stole a strike so i'm an idiot right (laughs) so johnny touched on this and said if an umpire went ahead and saw me move my glove anything from where it was thrown he told me Every ball from here on out that you move, it's a ball. Well, yeah, this, yeah, this framing drives me crazy too. I mean, it's just stupidest shit I've ever you know. Heard. And, and the, yeah, and the broadcasters go, "Oh, he's one of the best framers in baseball." Exactly. Okay, I, you know, it's just that. That's one of my pet peeves. I got a lot of pet peeves, but that's why with, you and I are identical. Because I mainly can't with broadcasters, so, I can't watch a game. <laughs> yeah. Well, Manny Sanguin was a pretty good catch. I mean, there have been so many good catchers. Sanguin was good. I played with Manny. Manny was one of the great catchers. He was a great uh, catcher. You know, Pena, yeah. Tony Pena was a, you well, know. I played with Tony. We used I to sit in these meetings. Right. So we'd sit in these meetings where before we'd go into the series. Honestly, because Tony was so flashy, he was a little bit before his time. Tony would have fit good in today's era, you know, sitting on his butt, one leg out. Right. From his knees and. He yeah. did things that were kind of uncharacteristic of a sound guy. Like I always look at a shortstop and say, just make all the good plays, the great right. plays they'll come, but don't miss any of the regular plays that you should make. Don't be so flashy. 
like uh, Ozzy. Ozzy would throw me out from left field right. because he knew he could. But the point was is he didn't need to do that because he never missed one of the regular plays. Yeah. Nowadays, shit, it's 50-50. You right. don't even know. No, and I'm, I'm, flashing, I'm flashing back to Omar Pascal <clears throat> or even in my youth, Louis Aparicio, yep. Venezuelan shortstops, and uh, I don't know. It, it's a different game. I mean, it's a let me give you let me give you a trivia question, Louis Louis Aparicio. Who was his backup? Oh man, well let's see. He took Carrasquel's place, but it would have been at least when I was watching it, it would be Sammy Esposito or Billy Goodman. This guy got traded to San Diego Padres. That was that was before Billy Allman, right? Yep, Billy's a good friend, number one pick to the A's. You know him and Jimmy Morrison. That's it, huh? No, I'm going to go ahead and give you the backup. Luis Aparicio is a guy by the name of Richard Morales. Yeah, probably hit 190. Yeah, I I remember him a little bit. Um, So he's the one who was responsible for signing me. So I was going to sign football, and I had already signed a letter from tent ready to go. And he says, kid, you're wasting your time. So Bob Kennedy Jr. was my scout, drafted in the 30th round. And, uh, you know, that's like the fifth what day. A, Shit, we didn't even have a TV in our house. Yeah. So Bob Kennedy Sr. at the time, I think, was the GM with Houston. Bob Kennedy Jr., Terry's older brother, was a scout with the Chicago Cubs. So I'm sitting there getting ready to go to uh, summer football and uh, long story short shows up and he says uh, hey kid Rich Morales says uh, you can play a little bit and I'm looking around going what is this a joke <laughs> I'm done we're going to play football so Rich comes by the house you know we had the rotary phones back then sure. you know if you didn't pick it up we didn't have no stinking Bye. answering machine so long story short he comes by says hi to the guys and says uh, hey Get me Mike. I want to go see him. He talks to me, and I barely knew him. I knew of him. He was a major leaguer, and Jerry White was there. Mitchell Page was there, all living in this little town called Pacifica. Come to the high school, Terranova High School, and all of a sudden he's explaining to me who he was. I was impressed. I was like, wow, I had no idea. And then another guy who was influential in my life back then was Mario Guerrero. Remember the shortstop of the A's? You finally came up with a guy. I remember uh, uh, Pedro Guerrero, but no. No, no. Pedro's like more my age, but Mario was a little bit before my time, too. Starting shortstop out of, I think it was Dominican. That all being said, they all lived in this pocket in Pacifica. So long story short, here we go. Back in the days, we were talking, and he said, kid, you need to play baseball. I said, ah, shit. Shortstop, first base, pitcher. I never put on a catcher's glove in my life. So he had said to me, he says, well, you're going to go to rookie ball if you sign, and I'll get you as much money as you need. That year, Buddy Biancolano was the number one pick. I love Buddy. Yeah, so Buddy's guy. in Nebraska now doing his deal. Just a wonderful guy. What's we got to play him in California. Pardon me? What's, what's, Buddy's in, the, in Nebraska now? Is that? Yeah, he's in Nebraska. He's got his businesses, and I think he runs a bunch of indoor facilities too. I don't know. Good guy. We got together yeah, mutually. Yeah. We played on the All-California team back in 77. <clears throat> that being said, he signed for like $110,000. Yeah. Number one pick out of Kansas City. So some of my good buddies were Onyx Concepcion and all these guys in Kansas City. Oh, and long story short, they're pushing this guy, buddy, Bianca Lana. Before you know it, he's in the World Series as the MVP. 
Shit, <laughs> body fell out of a boat. Coach. He went in water. You know. Yeah. But all that being one of, said, one of the best names in baseball too. Buddy Bianca, yeah. Tough to beat that one. Yeah. So this guy, Rich Morales, was referring me to all the things going on in baseball. Back then, we just didn't have, you know, the the media, the social media that goes on right now. I don't even know how to make it. You know, the social media, you know, they can go to the bathroom with you. It's just crazy. So I was in the right era, I think. But I love to listen to the people who were before me in order to go and be a professional. And sure. I think that thing now is gone where we were told, be seen, not heard. And now it's be heard, not seen. You know, and you remember the John the Count Montefusco? Sure. Yeah. So he in San Francisco was kind of our guy who was always talking. I mean, he'd get lit up and he'd still talk. He was like a Muhammad Ali, but he had some good games. He had a good he did career. Have games. Yeah, and, but when he had his bad games, what kind of made me think he's always in the media. So yeah. he always knew who he was. So when he was around, I've never get ready for this. I've never asked a ball player for an autograph. <laughs> and see behind me, I've got a few thousand autographed baseballs and I love yeah. I love that stuff. And and I you know, I it was uh now you know, like your your buddy agent that gets these guys at shows and signs on. Yeah, Mike McGuire is his name. I, I'm on the other side paying for all that stuff and baseball <laughs> cards and doing you all and that. him would talk for ages. He's a young man too. He's in his forties. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that he was representing Pete Rose and Joe Carter and Corey Snyder. So oh, yeah. all these guys wanted to to come to Maui and hang out and I mean, who doesn't want to come to Maui and spend a week with their wife or their significant other, play golf, fish? We even hunt. I mean, we got too many deer over here. I was going to say, do you hunt pig or, or uh, no? We got the wild boars and we got the, you know, everything's here. The funny thing is, is if you're not a guy of our age, you know, I'd say well into your 60s and 70s, this place is going to be way too boring for you. But no, I tell you. I have, I have no desire to be in a you know, New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco. Man, I like the slow life. This I mean life life was fast good. back then. In uh in nineteen eighty five, you know, I've been a season ticket holder with for the Royals for, you know, since nineteen seventy nine. So five or six years. Very fanatic. We were in Hawaii for the first round or two of the uh playoffs. And Hawaii is so great. I didn't watch one second or listen to one second of baseball, even <laughs> though it was my favorite thing. And the Royals were in the close to getting into and did get in the World Series. And thanks to Don Denkinger at first base, they won the World Series. There you go. There Wouldn't you go. Wouldn't happen now with the replay, that's for sure. But let me uh, give you a guy, since you're a, a Kansas City Royals fan, who was the GM back there in the early '80s? Oh, well, you know, we own the AAA Omaha Royals. My my uncle did. So okay. John Sherholz was a pretty good. Uh, One of the best. Pretty good friend of, of mine. So my mentor, you must know Dr. Bill Harrison, because him and Sherholz were best of buddies. He was the <laughs> no, vision guy. I, I played, believe it or not, I played church league softball with John oh. uh, for a couple of years. And yeah. um you know, my uncle used to bug the crap out of him because he just didn't understand. So we bought the team in 85, the year the Royals won the World Series. 
He didn't understand how the flow of players was dictated by the major league team. You know, Michael's a smart guy. He just didn't want. So we're in the, we're in the triple a world series and American association back then in the American association. And uh, we're, we're in the nitty gritty and the Royals call up David Conine. And he sat in the bullpen and didn't, didn't get into many games that year for the Royals. But here we were in the World Series, AAA playoffs. My uncle could not understand why he couldn't get Conine to pitch and why he couldn't. We also got screwed out of Bo Jackson because the the guy that tried to buy the Major League Royals, Avron Fogelman, owned the AA uh, team in Memphis. And so we never had Danny Jackson. We never had Brett Saberhagen or Gubasov. They all went from double A to the show. So we yeah. got screwed out. We're begging. One night at Bo Jackson would have made our year. That, <laughs> yeah, I know you doing pretty well. He'd, he'd call me. <laughs> you got your uncles call me at midnight. You got to, you know, he didn't want John Wathan, who turned out to be a good friend. It, it's a cool world, but it's, it's so different now. It drives me crazy. The, the uh, guys that are well thought of in management that just, Put together some really bad rosters, I think. But yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. What do I know? The, the Kansas City Royals, you know where they all started back in the day, is back in 1969, 70, and 71 with the uh, Royals Academy. Yeah. So you remember who started that? That was Sid Thrift. I'm sorry? That was Sid Thrift who started yeah. the Academy. Right. And, and, of course, he was big with the Pirates. Yep. I was and, one of six uh, favorites. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to uh, pull one of my little souvenirs out here. This is um, 1977 Kansas City Royals division champion, signed by all these guys because my good buddy Nelly was on that team. And so um, Hal McRae, um, Jim Guthrie, I think, Dennis Leonard, Kotek. These are guys. Yep. You know, these George are guys. You talk about a great guy, man. Oh, those man. are some. Those are some legends. I'm telling you what. There are there are some lemons in the world of Major League Baseball players, alumni, but not many. Not yeah. many. Uh, I gotta agree. I was having pleasure to be with Rick Waits in uh, South Africa, of all places. And we start talking about, he did a podcast with me from Cape. uh, We were down in uh, Cape Town, South Africa, and uh, Waiter's doing the show with me. And he could remember every pitch he threw to Reggie Jackson. He said, I had his number. And I mean, where else do you get this kind of conversation? You know, I I was hoping to get Gary Peters on. He, I love the guy. Another White Sox. I love the White Sox guys. Yeah. And he unfortunately passed away. Pete Ward passed away. A bunch of those White Sox guys. I'm trying to find Al Weiss. He was like my favorite guy. Yeah. I, and uh, I can't. I know he's in Florida somewhere, but you know, I'm trying. You know the guy that the guy I'm that you to branch get on out. Your show. I'll ask Reinsdorf. Reinsdorf will tell me. But so the know. guy you got to get on your show is John Cangelosi. You know, I told you how I knew Johnny. Yeah. Johnny, 
we do have to get Candyman on the show. Um, yeah. So I represented him in the minor league. And, you told me. And yep. so Candy Candyman fired my ass during the Super Bowl. Uh, the Bears were in uh, New Orleans playing the um, New England. And I get a call. Hey, Jamie. What's <laughs> up, Johnny? And, you know, I talked to Tim Raines and he asked me who my agent was, and he didn't know you. And he, so I, I bumped into Johnny 15 years later, and he goes, Jamie, man, I feel so bad that I got rid of you. But I, I probably had 18 agents. And, and he, what a good guy. Oh, my God. I, Glens Falls, New York. I followed my guys around, Mike. You know, yeah. I, I didn't sign these guys and say goodbye. The Mike Sopers and you know, went to Appleton, Wisconsin to buy these guys. Candyman's dad was big in his life. That was fun. That was the mid the Midwest League. Yeah, yeah. and so then Candy uh, Candy's partner is Bo Jackson. You're kidding. Dead serious for about the last shit, fifteen years. So they put a big deal out there right underneath your neighborhood. Probably they have a big bubble that's probably about fifty thousand square feet, and Bo does all his training and stuff with his people. And Kenji has Cangelosi baseball, kind of like Cal Ripken baseball. Yeah. He has Cangelosi baseball. Where Where is it at? In Chicago or in Florida? I'm pretty sure it's just somewhere there in Illinois. I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, I got to track him. If If I can track him down, we'll get you back. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a good guy. Yeah, he loves golf. Uh, unfortunately, he had a, a young bride and yeah. he has two kids that are older. He divorced. But he's a workaholic. He loves golf. So the tall blonde is no longer his wife? Exactly. (laughs) Yep. I I ran into both of them at Wrigley. Yep. uh, He wrote a book. I didn't know that. He's got a friggin' book out. John Candelos has a book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he credits Johnny Bowles, who managed in Omaha for a while, and then managed the. Miami team. Do I? I'm not sure if they won the pennant or World Series. Dombrowski. Yeah, he won the World Series with the Marlins. Yeah. Dombrowski loves Jimmy Leland. Bolsey's around here somewhere. I got to see. I I got to track some of these guys down. I need a marketing director, man. I need a. <laughs> I need a Peter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Billy Allman is down in uh, Fort Myers at, at this. He lives part of the year anyway where a bunch of my buddies are down there and they go, Hey, you know, you want to try to get Billy on your show? And I go, that'd be great. And, he, and then they said, well, he, he, he left town, but. Um, One of the classiest individuals you'll ever meet in your life. He took me under his wing. Yeah. So he took me under his wing at Pittsburgh. Uh, Lee Mazzelli, uh, Jimmy Morrison, um, S- Steve Kemp. Um, there are just so many great quality professional guys, and there's not enough of that anymore. So no. I kind of bow out with these big leaguers, and they know everything, and they know this, they know that, and guys yeah. swinging up, you know, at a 20-degree angle, hit more fly balls and strike out two million more times. I'm not going to fight City Hall. So how these like, kids. How do you like the new rules? You know what? I, I'm Again, I'm, I've been charged to be an old school. Why change the game? The game was already perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was pissed I, off when they didn't let you run into the catcher. <laughs> uh, right. Well, that you know, 
there's some strange rules. I think the no shift is, you know, even though they shifted for Williams, they really never caught hold until John Joe Madden decided that was a good deal in, in Tampa Bay. But yeah, um, I was at a Wrigley and in, uh, the, we used to drive me crazy for a guy to get thrown out on a ground ball to right field. I mean, it just didn't like it. <laughs> and I didn't like you Darvish looking at the batter for two minutes before he'd throw a ball. So I'm pretty good with those rules. I don't know about the throw to first base, but as a fan, I like to go to a game at seven at night and get out of there by nine thirty or ten. And, I agree with that. Uh, and and not sit there and watch a bunch of guys do a lot of goofy things when the game is great. And so I think if they just don't get carried away, if Manfred just leaves it alone and yeah, we did good. That's great. And they're talking about, yeah. well, we'll change this for that. But um, well, the, the other I just feel like some of the records now are going to be skewed because yeah. of the larger base. I know. You know there's just that's, a lot of things now where it's not the same game. The, the large bases I don't get. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'll die saying, you one. know, I enjoyed the game it was. and uh, The game is about entertainment now, so you got to take that into consideration. There's going to be an offshoot of some type of game where it's going to be, a, you know, like the uh, indoor arena football league. They're going to have right. something like that where you're going to have a pitcher and a hitter and you're going to have targets and they're going to light them up like top golf. You know, you go to those things at top golf and you have targets. We'll be, I, I don't get it. I think we'll be gone before that happens. But yeah, I don't, that's a fact. I don't that's know. a fact. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Leland had to be a good guy to, to get to know like you got to know him. Yeah, he was one of the best. He was probably a pretty influential person in my life because his rookie year, and most of the people don't know this, his rookie year was 1986. Yeah. So when, Lee, when uh, who brought him in? Um, Sid Brick, when he brought him in out of the minor leagues of coaching, he was a former minor league catcher, and he was best friends with uh, with Tony Larusa. Right. Was that yeah, all Larusa's staff when Nelly was exactly. on exactly. Exactly. So when that all went down, we got to know each other. He told me the great thing that Jimmy Leland, in my opinion, maybe he hears this podcast, maybe he doesn't, was uh, yeah, I don't he, think yeah, so he influenced, yeah, but he influenced me so much in regards to one thing, one word only, communication. So his communication was second to none in regards to a baseball manager because players – it's always kind of like mom and dad. You're afraid of the manager. You know, what's he thinking? Why right. isn't he talking to me? What's he doing? Man, he'd tell you what was on his mind in a heartbeat. Yeah. He used to tell me, he'd say, hey, Rambo, get up and put a helmet on and walk around with the bat. He says, you're not going to hit, but you damn well will keep those left-handers in the bullpen. They ain't going to come out. I go, so you're telling me to walk around <laughs> get <laughs> and I'm going to scare the left-handers, right? That's said, yep. great. That's great. So, so I kind of take a lot from baseball who, from him and how he ran his ship. And uh, Kanji, everybody will tell you the same thing. Well, shit, he's the first one to tell, tell Bonds, go shove it up your ass. I don't need you. Yeah. He never compromised who he was. Uh, believe it or not, here's another trivia question. Who's the only Who's the only man, and I found this out, on the best damn sports show back 10 years ago, I guess? Yeah. 15 years ago, 20 years? Who's the only guy to ever pinch hit for Barry Bonds? The only guy that's a good that's a really good that's a really good question. Uh, you know the guy. You know. 
Not Cangelosi. All right. You're looking at him. All right, buddy. <laughs> he hates that too. That's not great. only did I do it once, I did it twice. That's hilarious. He could not hit left-handers if he was told what was coming. He had like 230 that year. So he came in and he thought he was all this and blah, 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 but got pinch hit for it. I didn't even know. I don't even remember because he, That's hilarious. he just doesn't, he doesn't occupy much space in my head. But that being said, that being said, I found out through the best damn sports show. Wait a minute. You pinch hit for that Barry Bonds? Great. That's a good one. <laughs> How was he compared to Benia? Was Benia, you know, generally speaking, a okay guy or? Bonilla was a very, very humble man who came from the White Sox at that point, got traded to us, to Pittsburgh. And uh, he was kind of born and bred to go ahead and be who he was. But Bobby was really humble. Yeah. And Bobby took care of others. Bobby would stand up for his team. I don't even have a bad thing to say about Barry. I mean, if Barry wasn't who Barry was, he wouldn't be who he is. Right. <laughs> but he's done things different. Who knows? But I love That's a pretty good assessment of human life, buddy. Yeah, you just don't uh-huh. know. So for, for me to comment on one of the greatest hitters of all time, or oh, right. people call him the shittiest individual of all time. Well, he might not have been a great hitter if he was, you know, accommodated your needs all the time. Right. But that being said, Bobby was, uh, he was a player's player. I mean, he was a fan's player. Uh, got the greatest contract in the history <laughs> Isn't of baseball. Funny? I know. Yeah. Every year, Steve so, Phillips talks about that on his show. And I'm still paying Barry Bonilla. Yeah, just wonderful, wonderful times to talk about because we're all young. I mean, Bonilla, Bonds, Van Slyke, uh, Lavalier. God, I don't know if you remember Mike Brown. And Mike Brown, R.J. Reynolds, Sid Bream. I remember uh, he was, Johnny he was Ray. Famous for the Braves, yeah. Yeah, remember Johnny Ray? Yeah, absolutely. Best hitting second baseman I've ever seen in my life. Shortstops, we had Billy Allman, Sammy Khalifa. Um, third base was Jimmy Morrison. And we had some quality guys. Our catchers were um, Pena, Ortiz, and myself. Uh, we had a great pitching staff, Don what? Robinson. The how, that, how did that uh, awesome franchise go into the dumpster, you know? I think they couldn't keep up with the, uh, the fiscal years, the money that had to fly yeah. out of – I don't you know, I even just, when cable came I, in. I just you know what? I, I hear the small market argument in Kansas City and Milwaukee and used to be San Diego. It's just not true. I mean if you're, you're right. singing the blues, here's just my opinion that nobody cares about. If you're singing the blues about well, I can't sign Chris Bryant and Rizzo or Baez, I'll just let them all go. If you can't sign those guys, sell the damn team. They're exactly. With all due respect to uh, Mr. Sherman, who bought the Kansas City Royals for a billion B. Right. If the Royals go for a billion dollars, then anybody can put a group together of big time guys that want to own the Milwaukee Brewers and go out or the Pittsburgh Pirates instead of having or the Tampa Bay Rays or any of these teams that you can change all the rules in the world. But if you don't have some financial equity in baseball it's a joke you know yeah you remember uh, you remember a guy by the name of dick moss yeah yeah he so, was the attorney <clears throat> of the players association i think so when he did that i got to meet with him i think it was in 90 
91, 92. Long story short, he was there with Kurt Flood. Right. And uh, they were trying to put together a baseball league, which to me, man, I wish somebody would do it today or before I died. It was the most phenomenal model concept that I think the world today would buy into. And this is it. Pretty simple. What if you told the players, the team that you play for coming up from the minor leagues, when you get, you're going to get equity in the team and you're going to have one third equity. So you're going to have shares. Owner, you can only have one third. Fan base, just like the Green Bay Packers, you're going to buy one third. So everybody has 33%. So wait a minute. I have a 33% stake in this team. Why would I ever leave? I want to build my team up. Fans, why would I never support them? I'm making money on that investment. And owner, you got to do the right thing now. He brought that to the table, and before you know it, he's dead. So that was the new baseball league that was coming. I forget what they're called. It was the U.S. Baseball League, USBL. Yeah. I got the business plan. It was literally about five inches thick. I'll never forget it. We met in San Diego. I had just left uh, playing in Japan. And he said, you're the perfect mouthpiece to go ahead and pitch this and go around. And boom, he's dead. But long story short, yeah, that, that business model of Green Bay, they're never going to be short of fans because – Everybody owns it. They're sold out right. for the lifetime of Green Bay. Well, they put Tell a good team on the field. And football, football's a little bit different. The teams are separated by the other everybody's ineptitude. If you if you trade up three spots from four to one to get Mitch Trubisky, you're you're not going to go very yeah. far right, in the NFL. Right. And right. you know the Packers have had. Uh, Brett Favre and, and Aaron Rodgers and the Bears have had 45 different quarterbacks since Favre came into the league. Yeah, so, yeah. And their their money is, you know, their their TV deals are a little more equitable. But you take yeah. the, you take the Oakland A's and and Tampa's an exception for some reason. They seem to do pretty well with a, you know, a lowly million hundred million dollar payroll. And in the the last negotiations, the owner said we'll. Ha- We'll agree to a hundred hundred million dollar basement. Every team will have a salary of a hundred million. And the big boys from the players said no, because they're sitting there looking the next if they take the basement, in comes the ceiling. And exactly. they have a salary cap. Yep. Boys. No, it's a free market, specifically with this media, the way they're making money. They yeah. wouldn't be paying guys forty million a year if they couldn't. I mean, they're making money hands over fist. Right. And these little the little cities are making more money than the big cities. And Probably. laughing about it. Yeah, yeah. laughing about it. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's like I said, we're getting so old. And if I was younger, if I was in my 30s, 40s even, I'd probably fight. And I'd probably be an activist in regards to how players are treated and what you should do and how you should do it. And they're pretty, pretty I, well treated now. Yeah, they're I just don't know. The minors, a dull, different story, you know. It although up. I just read about that, they're trying to they're trying to spread a little of that wealth around the minor leagues. But you know, and the coaches get paid piddly. You know, there's there's too many that want to coach, and so they don't have to pay them. So that, exactly, they right. need their own union. They don't need to be part of the player association. Hundred percent. I'm too so old. These for are that. all great ideas, but I'm too old for that. Someone go until someone goes and stands up for it. They're just gonna let it go by. Sure, it's uh, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't see myself being a big league coach making 150 grand. I mean, 
you know, I hate to say this, but giving lessons to kids, you make over half a million bucks. Well, <laughs> you know? Nice. How's the camp <laughs> so, going? It sounds like it's going pretty well. Oh, when you do just simple numbers, and that's what got me into building facilities, you get enough crew that are willing to pay for your services, like you pay firemen, like you pay uh, teachers, like you pay policemen, like you pay the Coast Guard. It's a service. It's a public service. So kids, they get lost in the fray. So I look at people like myself and say, I keep kids playing baseball longer because they learn it quicker. They learn it the right way. They're confident. So they're better better uh, children, they're better teammates, they're better students, they're better as uh, brothers and sisters. Just all together, it's all rounded. If you get the right person, and I found out Germany does this, Australia does this, Japan does this. The reason I know that is I was asked. I was asked to go back, and the state will pay you. The country pays you. And the people like me who are instructors, you wonder why Japan's so good in Little League and high school. Why? Because their instructors are making half a million bucks. Right. And they learn from the, they learn from the get-go. But yeah, the, so uh, us, you know, we pay but, our kids nothing, you know. With uh, the Little League team from Hawaii winning the, the Little League World Series, that's a pretty good, pretty good deal. And when do you think your first student will hit the major leagues? Guys, right around the corner. In fact, we have this kid by the name of Ben Ziegler who's a utility player for the University of Hawaii, Hawaii Manoa. So get this, the kid, they told him he'd never hit. I had him since he's been in eighth grade. He's a sophomore now. Sitting about 355, starts in left, starts in right, starts at first base. He leads off and hits second or third. Uh, at Yavapai College last year, hit 398. And uh, he'll get drafted in 24. He'll nice. be our big hit. We have Good. another kid named Keone, Keone Painter, starting center fielder of BYU, Mormon kid. And we probably have in the last 14 years, somewhere in the area of about 200 kids that went to college out of our, our academy. Pretty nice. Most of them aren't big enough or fast enough, go to JC, and then they pick their place. And But we have a lot of D1s. But that kid's going to be a superstar. His name's uh, Bennett, Bennett Siegler Namoa. People will be reading about him. He'll be one of the first Tongans, if not the first Tongan, to play Major League Baseball. All right. When's your uh, first instruction today? It's early. Oh, I usually go at noon. I go from noon to 10 most every day. And people ask me, you know, do you like working? I go, I didn't know I worked. (laughs) It really isn't work. I mean, that's great. I enjoy going there as much as the kids do. The business, I wish it wasn't there, you know, in regards to having to take money. That's always a problem because you get a family can't afford you. And the last thing you want to do is, well, you can't afford me. You can't have me. So we're big, big on taking kids. We call them scrubs. I was a scrub. You know, 30th round pick. I'm a scrub. So if you're a scrub and you take pride in that scrub and all of a sudden they're in the major leagues, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out Bryce Harper. Okay, yeah, I got the best of the best. Well, that took a lot of thought. (laughs) So I like to go ahead and get kids are struggling with speed, strength, nutrition, skill sets, um, just everything. It's much harder being a ball player today than it was back when I played. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to college, and colleges are telling me, hey, you just got to ring a bell at 12 o'clock, and we'll pay you, you know, 15 bucks an hour. And I just rang the bell. Oh, and by the way, you need transportation, so here's a nice, you know, Camaro. 
Sure. Yeah. You remember those days? I got an opportunity. I didn't get that kind of. <laughs> the well, second string catcher for the the worst team in college baseball history. So well, you played, yeah, you played. But uh, what, did you Anybody get a chance? To, did you get a chance ahead. to watch any of the World Baseball uh, Classic? I watched it very intently because, to me, uh, I think cool. the best is yet to come. To be honest with you, I agree. And these people out in these other, you know, these other worlds, these other continents these other countries, they haven't even scratched the surface. Yeah. I think you're going to get several Otanis. Otani's just the beginning. Well, that so I think the game's going to change quickly. So Shatani, whatever his name is with the Red Sox uh, now, he just hit a couple home runs the other day. Oh, no way. I didn't pay attention to that. Yeah, they, they signed <clears> him <throat> and paid him a ton of money, and and uh, he doesn't pitch. He doesn't go two ways, but um, – yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought the World Baseball Classic was it, I love it. it it was captivating in the four years ago or whenever they did it before the pandemic and I guess yeah. two thousand seventeen. Um yeah. I wasn't that interesting. But you know, you get the Mike Trout and the the Atonis that say we'll go play and then all of a sudden yeah. you got guys like Kershaw that couldn't get in because of the insurance issues yep. and uh I think know. a little bit about what the World Cup is to soccer. Yeah. Each country. If you did that in baseball, holy oh, smokes, crazy. baseball would overtake the world. Yeah. And you go, well, right now, if you take away all the Latin players out of the big leagues, you got more, you got probably less than 20% of the players. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just take straight up Americans like the Trouts and the Kershaws and what have you, you really don't have a deep team. No. I mean, you're kind of stuck. Like 8%. And that team that they, yeah, the team that they put on the field out there, I was impressed. But I would like to see the USA, born and raised, doesn't matter what ethnicity, but born and raised here, let's right. go play the world. And the world would love it. Oh, yeah. Like maybe every other year saying, hey, Major League Baseball, we don't need you. You know you know who does that is Cuba. Yeah. We don't need you. We'll, we'll do our own thing. We'll do just fine. Japan's, well, you know for a fact, Japan's pretty damn close to that same thing. Japan, Korea, even China's giving it a go. But Taiwan, Korean, Japan, and Korea are – I'd like to see the World Baseball Classic honestly go all year. Yeah. Well, in Mexico, they've – just in Monterey, there's two gigantic ballparks down there that yeah. get filled up all the time. They have, yeah. At least when I was there, they had two teams, the Sultans and somebody else. And, yeah. And, you know, it's a big city. But, yeah, baseball's – it's so different, you know. Yeah. Um, think about uh, think about how quickly they're playing a game today, and tomorrow they're on that team. Yeah, that's disturbing. Now I remember back in my high school and college days, man, we hated that other team. Right. I ain't transferring schools, and if you did transfer schools, it was a year you had to wait. And yeah. then when you got there, and the reason I know this because I did, I got cut off my freshman baseball team. So here I am with all my buddies in the. The guy says to me, his name was uh, Decker, Bill Decker. He says, Diaz, you're a football player. You're 6'2", you're 210. I mean, you're one of the best football players. You're never going to play baseball. I said, whoa, brah. All I want to do is be with my buddies. I just want to play the game. All boys school, St. Ignatius of Loyola in San Francisco. Toughest league. Same league, Brady and God Bonds was in it. I'm older than those guys. But the point was the WCAL in the Bay Area, probably the toughest league in the country. I mean, just Bellarmine, St. Francis, Mitty, Reardon, 
Sacred Heart, just you can go on and on. Dan Fouts played there. Uh, like I said, Greg Jeffries was amazing. He had an amazing career at this school called Sarah. But we learned to hate each other to the point where, bro, I see you on the streets, I'm going to kick your ass. Right. That, there was almost borderline gangs. Doesn't happen that was in the anymore. 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So well. the early 70s and mid 70s. Then in the 80s, it went away. So I left the Bay Area in 1978 and I really never went back. So everything that went on from uh, the social environment to how things were changing, I immediately went on the road and playing minor league baseball. We were just talking about that with another minor leaguer, a guy by the name of Joey Vieira, signed with the Cincinnati Reds. Ironically, he has some of the greatest stories because he got to play with Michael Jordan on that Bulls Durham, the Bulls Durham yeah. team. Yeah. And he tells me the stories about Michael and, you know, boy, that guy must have some great, great gatekeepers because he never got in trouble. No. And then you got a guy like Doc Gooden out there who they tell us two weeks into spring training, we're checking for cocaine. Yeah. Okay. That was a thing in 87 and Him they won in 86. Yeah. So they, they warn you, Hey, and then you still get caught. <laughs> you must have wanted to get caught. Well, it's so, it's, you know, can you imagine the Nolan Ryans or the Bob Gibsons or the early wins or the, um, even Lolich and anybody in that, in the sixties, seventies, even in the year era in the eighties, you know, bat flipping and, 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 you, no know, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, there, a lot of the, um, Latin American guys, I think are trying to bring at least for the first few days after they got out of the world baseball classic, they were, they were living that, that kind of energy. And yeah. you don't get that with American baseball crowds. No, you know, no, even in Boston or New York, you don't get it. But you know what? Honestly, Jamie, it's not their fault. It's the fault of the stinking administration, the coach, the manager. If right. I told you, I'm going to pay you 40 million a year, but you won't wear shit beards. You won't right. wear, you know, they wear their beards down to here. Really? Long hair. The guy from, uh, what's his name? I don't know his name, but he plays for Philly. I was watching last night. I go, you're a disgrace. You don't right. even look the part. Well, and the their, uniforms are, bat, their uniforms yeah, are open to their belly button, you yeah. know, now. And, they're, yeah, and then the they're next gold. guy comes up with, okay, we're getting the, too the old, dude. Starter set. <laughs> <laughs> we're sounding old. Oh, we are. But you know what? It wouldn't happen. Because if you asked me back in 1978, hey, I want you to play Major League Baseball. By the way, it's for free. I would say, hell yeah, let's go. Yeah. It's all on us. We're incumbent upon bringing these kids up the right way. Look, the inmates are running the asylum. <laughs> so I don't I don't fault any of these kids. Get what you can. You know, it's uh, you ever seen that show? I guess it was back in the 70s or in the 60s. But the kid, he had two parents, and Dustin Hoffman was the dad. I forget the name of it, but they got divorced and they're sitting there at the table and they're ready to eat. And he had his ice cream to his left. He had his food to his right. And Hoffman says, him, says, eat your food. And then you can have some ice cream. And the kid looks at him and he gets a spoon and he goes over to the ice cream. He goes, so you do that one more time. You're going to go to bed. The kid goes, does it again. You do that one more time and I'm grounding you. And he does it again. He says, what's wrong with you? He said, well, but the point is, is the kid got away with it because right. he kept pushing to the limit he had to push. Whereas nowadays, my son has a seven-year-old granddaughter of mine. When she was younger, I'll never forget. She would go, ah! and he'd run to her side. 
They go, bro, when you used to cry, there's never been a baby in the history of mankind that died from crying. Yeah. <clears throat> Let that baby cry. I got a dog. I got it right here to my side. And uh, his name's Snoop Dogg. <laughs> so he's a little Australian him. shepherd. Yeah. And Rapper. when he moans, I said, bro, you're going to be moaning all day. He's learned to stop crying. Sure. Dude, you're going to stay in your little barn, your little cage, till I say it's good. But when he when he used to mope, and people go, when are you going to stop moping? When I go up to him and say, shut the F up. It's a different world. It's just, different and I don't know world. whether we're right or we're wrong. It's uh, ironic that we have the we're, same we're, thought process and mindset. Well, <laughs> but for me to talk I'm to going a guy. To, uh, I'm going to find Cangelosi and we'll get on a, a double Zoom and maybe get, I still want to get you and Denier to at least look at each other on Zoom. Yeah. You're both great guys. I'm tell them straight up. I said, Bobby, you owe me some money. There you go. All right. Hey, man, good to catch up with you. Let's do it again not so long in the future, and uh, we'll see if we can't find some other friend of yours, and uh, we'll get together with them too. But always fun to talk with you. Absolutely. you got to get some dates where you come out to Maui. I'll be. Uh, I'll look you up when I get there, man. All right, James. Thanks. It's All a right. pleasure. Be good, no. buddy. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Okay. All, All right. right. Take care. And there you have it, <laughs> amazing, most of the time, talking in uh, things that we don't have to edit out. What a great guy, and uh, what an interesting life, and uh, obviously he's uh, doing quite well with his hitting in the academy in uh, Maui. <laughs> what what could be uh, wrong with that life? Anyway, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed it. It's fun. He, uh, I really don't need I just try to interject every now and then with a question. It's like... It's like it brings back bad memories of uh, when I was in trial and I would ask the witness a question and he would go on and on and on and on and on. And he was he was saying good stuff. So I wasn't interrupting him. And the judge would go, "Uh, Mr. Resky, you're going to need to you're going to need to ask him a question before he answers another question. And uh, that's the way Mike Diaz is. But going to track down Cangelosi and see if I hitting. Companion of Bo Jackson. Well, that'd be interesting. Anyway, that's it for now, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will be back soon with another episode of On the Ladder Side of Baseball. So Tyler can take it away with a little music at the end. And uh, we'll be back in about a week. Thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate it. And girls. Later. Later.